The amazing thing to me is I recently saw a promo for Katie and uh, the CBS Evening News, and they must have told her not to smile. And it's just like, you look pissed off. And I started laughing because they took away one of her signatures, which is that great smile that she has. Uh-huh. But she doesn't have that. And it's she was just looking at the camera kind of pissed off. And I'm thinking, she's just saying, will somebody please shoot me? <laughs> Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here's your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 69 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today joins us from Carroll, Iowa. Vern Beachy, welcome to You Are the Guest. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. I'm a little bit closer than I was the last time, I think. That's right. This time I can almost drive down and have lunch with you. There you go. There you go. I moved from Memphis to Iowa and and did that in August, and here I am. How do you like the weather so far? It's it's not bad. Um, I miss Memphis winters, <laughs> even though it hasn't been bad up here, uh, and the cooler weather is better for me health wise. But I still miss Memphis winters. It's like. 32 today, for example, and it's 65 in Memphis. And we've also had a little bit of a taste of how bad winter can get, because we had some bad days a couple weeks ago. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, thinking back on it, I uh, was born and raised in Iowa like you, and I remember, uh, you know, uh, just feet and feet of snow, and I haven't seen that in a long time. Well, the first winter that we worked together back in 1985, I remember as being a terrible winter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Doing school closings on the radio and stuff like that, trying to get into the station was a was a hassle, and, and <laughs> it was an interesting endeavor, to say the least. Vern, you're back to talk about the big news stories for 2006. This is kind of an annual treat for me and for our listeners. So let's go ahead and get right into the topics. What's the biggest story of the year for 2006? I think the biggest story was the election, and not just on uh, election day, but it was all the stories leading up to it because it just dominated the media and everybody. And it's a typical presidential election year or even though it was a non-presidential election year, um, it was, uh, I think that was the biggest story of the year. Prior to that, like a year ago, we were talking, uh, we both mentioned Katrina was the biggest story, and that was by far the biggest. And I think everything leading up to the election and the domination of Everything in the media in regard to that made that the biggest story of the year. What do you think was the biggest international story of the year? Was it the killing of Al Zarqawi? Yes, 
that and Saddam Hussein trial. Now that kind of took a back seat, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And that was and that'll that'll play even more in 2007 because I I think that's when he will be executed, but it's kind of hard to get excited about a story when you know how it's going to end. Yes, exactly. But all these, uh, you know, talking about that, yeah, you know how it's going to end. And people, uh, I remember the media especially was talking about if if Saddam Hussein gets convicted and sentenced to death, that violence will break out and everything. And it was just the opposite, so... It was actually a big who cares. Yeah, yeah. That and the only gunfire that was heard then was celebratory gunfire. So they were happy about it. It wasn't like going into chaos because they didn't want the people to kill him. And Nah, that just didn't happen. What was the biggest surprise of the year? Uh, it goes along with the biggest story of the year, it, the election was a surprise to me. I thought uh, at, at first that maybe the Republicans will lose a few seats here and there and gain a few seats here and there, you know, kind of a, a trade-off type, but it was a uh, bloodbath for the Republicans, and that surprised me. It was an ass-whooping. Yes, it was. <laughs> Why do you think that happened? Um. You know, I've been trying to think. I've asked a few people that, too. Um, gee, I, I think it has uh, a lot to do with uh, the discontent over the Iraq War. It was bigger than even what I thought it would be. I thought the media was focusing too much on that and making um, – too much of a big deal, and it was going to be kind of the opposite of what the media was predicting and and pontificating and saying, hey, it, it's going to be a bad year for Bush, and, and it was, you know. So I think it was a little bit um, more discontent than what I thought. Um, I thought the media was playing it up too much, but there was... You know, there, there, there was truth to that. Look at, look at how it turned out in the election. The, uh, the Republicans lost uh, the House and the Senate. So that was a, a big deal. I had down for the biggest surprise of the year, John Mark Carr not being charged. Because when the story came out, you go, oh, they got the guy. Uh-huh. Because why would they bring him over if they didn't have anything? And then when they got to the States, it's like, oh, we really don't have anything other than some emails. And it's like, ah, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So so to me, that was other than the elections, which was a, a surprise to me as well. Him not being charged once they went through all that trouble and all that hype and all that hoopla was, was a pretty big surprise. Well, it was, uh, you could even go back a little bit further than that. It was a big surprise that they even gave him the time of day. Yeah. Um, because when, when I first heard that, I thought, no, he, he didn't do it. You know, he just looking at the interviews and looking at him, no, he's just in it for the attention. Turns and you were right. Out, yeah, it turns out he was. 
What was the biggest story that was really a non-story in 2006? There was a couple of them, but I think the biggest uh, thing that was a non-story, uh, at least first on my list, was the bird flu pandemic. You know, it, it's like that's a, a non-story. And another one was anything to do with Cindy Sheehan or the runaway bride. I agree with both of those. All uh, uh, just non-stories. <laughs> That's right. People run away from the altar every day. Uh-huh. And some that don't probably should. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I don't know, maybe it was her picture that uh, people that, oh, there's a doe-eyed little girl next door, you know. Let's, let's see what she's up to. Now, you know how those TV people think. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's <laughs> that's the way it goes. But I guess, uh, you know, those three would be my, uh, anything, anytime you mention a, a pandemic or, or like what's the difference between that and an epidemic, you know, what happened with that, with epidemic? Uh, everybody knows that. No, we have to have pandemic, you know. Well, the sky is falling. You know, and then with Cindy Sheehan, the sky was falling. and Still is. Yeah, exactly. What was the least important political issue in 2006 that was made to be bigger than it really was? Oh, that have to be Cindy Sheehan. Anything involving Cindy Sheehan. That was the least important political issue that was made into a big deal in the uh, media focused on that relentlessly and continues to, but not as much as they did because there's just some things about Cindy. You know, at first she was just wanting um, an audience with the president. Well, then it came uh, that the media focused, well, you had your chance. You had it once before. Why do you want another one? Well, just because, you know. Um, and then she started having barbecues. Yes, yeah. And her book signing. <laughs> I remember the pictures that I've seen of her book signing. There was nobody there. She was just poised with a pen, you know, ready to sign her books, but nobody showed. Didn't you throw herself on the steps of the Capitol, too, with a T-shirt or something? Uh, no, during the State of the Union address. Aye, that's right. Um, yeah, she was talking about how she got uh, manhandled to get out of there, and she was wearing, yeah, it was just... Um, hey, maybe we could match her up with John Mark Carr now that she's divorced. There you go. There's a couple made in hell. <laughs> but, you know, she she may be a little old for him. Yeah, but he's crazy enough. He'd like that stuff. <laughs> That would make a heck of a couple. Yeah. Then I could see the media focusing on that. But <laughs> until that time, yeah. How about the biggest taxpayer ripoff for 2006? Earmarks. And finally, they're coming up to be uh, what they are, just pork barrel. And I think the focus on earmarks in the federal budget is is right because... You know, prior to this, uh, Congressman just slipped it in the budget, you know, and said, well, how can you 
how can you vote against, um, you know, whatever it is you you're putting a bridge in in uh, uh, Alaska to nowhere? How can you deny my people a place to drive their cars? You know, and stuff like that. Same way with the uh, like the rainforest here in Iowa. It was part of an earmark. And I think they're going by the wayside. We'll have to see. I am hopeful, but I'm also doubtful that they will. I had down oil company royalty relief. Ah. These oil companies are drilling on U.S. land, and they're asking for relief for the royalties that they paid to the U.S. people. Uh And, And when I see that they're making record profits it's like these people don't need relief they need to have their taxes increased <laughs> but they said it it costs a lot to give you that gallon of gas bs yeah exactly exactly how about the biggest consumer ripoff i think you know because uh it's that time of year i think the must have toys that you see always uh coming out Oh, you got to have them and and just take a look at PS3 on eBay and and uh, going for several thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, in six months you'll be able to get it at retail. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the, you know, and and that's not. Uh, uh, but that's not the manufacturer's fault either, is it? Because people are buying it and then selling it, and then people are buying it for three thousand dollars. Yeah. But somewhat is the manufacturer's fault because if they say, okay, we're, oh, the shortage of PS3s is going to be really strong this year, and I don't know if we're going to meet the demand. And so they play into the, oh, God, we have to have that, you know, get that before it goes away. So you see it on eBay for $2,000. And, and I think the manufacturer's, play a part in that, not as much as a consumer, but they help it along. I have three words to expound upon that. Uh-huh. P.T. Cruiser. <laughs> Remember when those things came out and, oh, they, you got to get them and you got to special yeah. order them, and now they're giving away with Fritos. Yes, exactly. Or or uh, before that, it was the Mazda Miata. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people paying... Oh, 30000 uh for a Miata because, you know, they didn't want to wait for six months to come out. And PT Cruiser was the same thing. But how many PT Cruisers you see on the road? A lot of them. It's like Camaros when they came out. Everybody had one. I have down for the biggest consumer ripoff credit card late fees. Because they're already making their money on the interest, why do they need to jack you up for another twenty-five bucks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you know, uh, uh, as you mentioned that, another thing that pops into my mind is uh, payday lending places. Oh yeah. Yeah. Consumer beware. Exactly. But those people are also preying on the people who can least afford to lose that type of money. Yeah, and once you get into it, it is hard to get out of that because you, it, it's like it spirals. You know, your debt spirals down, and it's tough to get out of it and just 
stay away. Speaking of spiraling down, what news show or news reporter should be canceled or replaced in 2007 and why? The news reporter that should go out, Nancy Grace on CNN uh, and Keith Olbermann on MSNBC. Keith Olbermann, I don't watch him much, but he wants to portray himself as um, unbiased, and but because of that, he is like one of the most biased people on the TV. You know, the ones that claim they are the most unbiased usually are the most biased. And Nancy Grace, because she is well, how, how should I describe her? She she just comes across as disdainful about everything to all the viewers. You know? Whiny. Yes, yes. And I, I don't want to use the word that rhymes with witch because every, everybody say, well, she's just a woman. No, it's, it's more than that. You know, she is just disdainful on everything that she does, and she comes across that way. I had down 60 Minutes. I think 60 Minutes has run its course. Uh-huh. If you look at the teasers and, and the programs and everything else, it's just another personality show. Yeah, and it it tries not to be. Yes. It tries not to be, but... But they've got so many celebrity interviews, yeah. and they're really not talking about anything of substance uh-huh. Mainly because they don't have the field all to themselves anymore. Yes, yeah. So I just think 60 Minutes has run its course. Yeah, and I can't remember, well, I was going to say I can't remember the last time I watched 60 Minutes, but I I do catch it every once in a while, but it's not a, uh appointment TV for me every week because... Like it used to be. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Your parents used to watch that on a Sunday night, 60 Minutes, you know. That's right, without fail. Yeah, and I think Dan Rather had started that um, attitude at 60 Minutes. Yeah. And it'll take a lot to come around and that. Maybe, yeah, yeah I, I kind of agree it should go away. Talking about attitude that needs to come around, let's talk about Katie Couric and the CBS partnership. Is it time to give it some more time and let it grow, or should they just shoot the program and just put everybody out of their misery with Katie included in that? Exactly. Put her out of our misery and move on. Um, CBS is still a seller dweller um, in the ratings because of I think because of Dan Rather, and take a lot, take a lot to overcome that. But they thought they could do it with, with Katie Couric, and I think it's just the opposite. Look at the numbers, and they'll say, "Oh, let's you know, we didn't expect her to be number one. We just gradually build our audience." Sure, they expected her to be number one. Otherwise, they wouldn't have paid her that much money. That was the whole point. Yeah, you, you don't. Bring somebody in so you can stay number three. Yeah, and oh, it's a, it's a work in progress. No, you pay that money because you want to be number one right off the bat and stay there. Right. How long do we have to wait? The, uh-huh. the amazing thing to me is I recently saw a promo for Katie and uh, the CBS Evening News, and they must have told her not to smile. 
And she's just looking, and, and it's just like, you look pissed off. And I started laughing because they took away one of her signatures, which is that great smile that she has. Uh huh. But she doesn't have that, and it's she was just looking at the camera kind of pissed off, and I'm thinking, she's just saying, will somebody please shoot me? <laughs> and if you want even more of that, go on uh, CBS's internet website and see how they promo Katie. It's the same thing. She does a short blurb like uh, Dan Rather used to do Dan Rather moments or something like that. And she is trying to do the same thing. And you're just, oh, man, it's it's bad. I think it's bad and it's painful. And yeah, painful for everybody. Yes, exactly. Exactly. NBC and ABC are laughing, I'm sure, because they don't have to cut those checks every two weeks. <laughs> Who do you think has been the best TV news reporter for 2006? Uh, this is interesting, too, because I know last year when we did this uh, show, I had him as one of the worst. And I'm going to say Anderson Cooper of CNN was the best this year. And I can I can point to one thing that one story that stands out in my mind uh, on him, and that was the uh, Sago Mine story tragedy where 12 died and, and a lot of people were saying, you know, 12 survivors, and the net was full of 12 survivors the next day, and Anderson Cooper was the only one to get it finally right that it was 12 that died and only one survived. So that to me was a a big deal uh, because even several hours after, you know, Cooper was running with that, you still saw stories on the Internet about 12 people survived, you know, and, and it's a good story. And that would have been a great story, but it was wrong. It was totally wrong, and Anderson Cooper got it right. Right now, there really isn't, for me anyway, somebody that is head and shoulders above everybody else. So I'll, I'll agree with Anderson Cooper there. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the year before, I, I thought he was one of the worst. And so it it's not uh, – it, it boils down to what have you done for me lately. How about person or persons of the year? When Time Magazine came out and, and said, you people, uh, the digital revolution people, are uh, the persons of the year, I kind of agreed with that. And um, it was good that they recognized it, but they shot themselves in the foot. I think Time Magazine did it. And I would, I would list people as the persons of the year, like you, uh, podcasters, bloggers, and and people that are trying to, you know, make, just making their voices known. But I think Time Magazine shot itself in the foot when later in that story said, well, had it not been for that, we would have selected uh, uh, Muhammad Ahmadinejad at Iran. I thought, great, yeah. you know. It's either us or the devil, you know. It was like when they chose the Ayatollah Khomeini 
as the man of the year that they got so much flack. Yeah. That they didn't dare do that again. Yeah. So, and then they said, okay, you are, but, you know, this idiot in Iran was a close second. I thought, oh, great, you know. Kim Jong-il is third. Yeah. Or turd. Yes. <laughs> and then if Adolf were still alive, you know, fill <laughs> in the blank. <laughs> I had down Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice. I chose Condoleezza Rice because she had a lot of things to clean up between uh, Iraq and Israel and Lebanon and and basically kind of hopping all around the Middle East over the summer. She came out okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to put down George Bush because he got his ass whooped in, in the election. So Condoleezza Rice, I thought, will be a good person of the year. And another uh, good, if I want to single on on just individual persons, uh, you mentioned George Bush, and I, I would say, you know, one guy that that stood by his guns no matter what, and he was under fire was Tony Blair. Yes. So I would... Uh, Honorable mention? With Condoleezza Rice, too. How about the Hollywood hosebag of the year? Uh, Several to choose from this year. <laughs> I, I, I like Mel Gibson. How about Kramer? Uh, well, yeah, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a good choice. Kramer had this um, uh, career buster move. So My Hollywood hosebag of the year was O.J. O.J. For the book, If that's, I Did It. Yes. Had I done it, here's how I would have done it. Not that I'm saying I did it, but yeah, he, you're you're the Hollywood hosebag of the year. <laughs> how about the regular, just standard hosebag of the year? Al Gore, Inconvenient Truth, his global warming movie. And uh, and you don't believe that the weather we're experiencing here in Iowa is any way, shape, or form. Connected with global warming? No, I don't. I really don't because uh, here is my thought on on this. The same scientists that are talking about global warming and what it's going to do to the earth, you know, within 10 years and we're going to burn up were the same scientists in the 70s that were talking about the coming ice age. That's where I'm coming from. And I agree with you to, to a certain point with that. But don't you think it is kind of weird? You know, it this is not the typical weather we had 20 years ago. So do you think this is just a normal cycle, or is there really something going on? I think it's a normal cycle. I think it is uh, arrogant um, for humans to believe that they can change that even more so than nature itself. In other words, don't screw with Mother Nature. Yes, and because look at the, uh, the volcanoes. Uh, they do it worse than, you know, destroy the, the atmosphere, but, uh, gee, the atmosphere has a, has a resilient streak and can clean itself up. Look at all those... Uh, uh, during the first Persian Gulf War, when Saddam Hussein lit all those oil wells on fire in Kuwait, and 
everybody thought that that would be the destruction of the air quality for the entire planet, but you don't hear about that anymore because, you know, the Earth, you don't fool with Mother Nature, and I think it's arrogant for uh, humans to say, oh, you're driving that SUV, so it's making our Earth heat up, and I just think that's very cocky. I had down for the hose bag of the year, Boulder County District Attorney Mary Lacey <laughs> for bringing John Mark Carr, beating him well, first class ticket, and then not having anything but lousy email. So she's my hose bag of the year. She leapt before she looked, and it's, it's amazing how much of a colossal mistake she made given that the circumstances of everything you know oh absolutely i mean how can you think not to ask those type of questions or look for those details right yes i mean we're talking about a college educated person here somebody uh-huh. that's an attorney and it was just like well let's spend all this money and go get this creep yeah yeah exactly and it's like well dna well okay Shouldn't you have asked that first or just even done some rudimentary investigative work? And and, and then it's like, maybe we can get him on some porn charges so we can save some face. And that falls through. They, yeah, they tried, but no. <laughs> I know. I Maybe he's got a parking ticket he hasn't paid for in a long, long time. So at least we, you know, we extradited him from overseas, so we've got him now. Check his library card. Maybe he's got some overdue library books. <laughs> but if you think about it, too, jeez, um, an unsolved case like that for some, how many people drop the ball on that? Oh, and, and there's no way that they're going to find somebody that is that crazy uh-huh to, to be able to pin it on later on uh-huh uh-huh yeah i was there when she died but i didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and why didn't this come forth oh i don't know 10 years ago yes exactly exactly <laughs> and and then to add everything to that um uh patsy ramsey was notified and she refused to meet with him because obviously she thought he was an idiot yeah she knew better than yeah probably the district attorney yeah and uh i don't know (laughs) anyway how about the uh small story that needed more attention you know and and this is kind of an iowa thing but it's a national story as well um the sex offender regulations. That's a big story here in Iowa, and it's a big story, you know, nationwide. But, you know, they really don't work and give people a false sense of security. So um, it needed more attention on, you know, does this stuff work? It, it's, it's very politically correct and politically expedient to talk about sex offender regulations and keeping them away from living... 2,000 feet from schools or anything like that, but do they really work? You know, most of them lie anyhow, and they're doing that. So I I think 
um, as opposed to going the expedient route of uh, really acting like you're tough on sex offenders, let's do something that works. Have I ever told you my solution to that? Uh-uh. Is that before every city council meeting that they should read out loud the names of the sex offenders? Uh-huh. And and that way they would all be in the public record and before every city council meeting people would know who they are and where they live. And so they the police couldn't say, well, um, you know, nobody checked or in the like. Didn't know. Right. So I think it just should be a matter of public record and should be included in every city council meeting. Um, either before or, or after the meeting, they should have a reading of who are the registered sex offenders and where they live. Uh-huh. But, you know, you'd force everybody to live in the desert there, Bill. <laughs> okay with me. Yeah, that's the that's the whole gist of the uh, regulations that they cite. You know? Th- that's right. You can just live in the desert and do paintings and sell them for 40000 a apiece. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You don't know anybody like that, do you? Oh, geez. He he paints women, southwestern women, and he died last year. Yeah, R.C. Gorman. <laughs> My small story that needed more attention, uh, David Barrett's probe into Bill Clinton and the IRS. He did this investigation, which lasted about 10 years. It came out in January, and then... Uh, you know, the Democrats kind of poo-pooed it, and then it never really became anything. But I think there's some there's some uh, fire there, and, and that comes from the smoke of, of Bill Clinton's dirty politics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, I'll, I'll throw that out there. How about the um, most repeated political rhetoric that we're about to hear? Uh, Hillary, first female president that we're about to hear big time. Just over and over and over. Over and over and over again, yeah. So do you think it's going to be uh, Hillary and Rudy? Yeah, I do, but even even with Rudy, I, I have a question about him because he's a uh, social liberal, and uh, I, notice I didn't even mention John McCain because... I think he is too much of a moderate and, in other words, wishy-washy to be a national leader. And people, I think the Republicans are looking for a Ronald Reagan-type person. And certainly Rudy fits that as far as being tough, given what he did after 2001. But um, he's just the opposite of Reagan when it comes to social issues. And yet the Democrats who won this past November were really seen as moderate Democrats. Mm -hmm. So do you think the Republicans won't take that as a cue and they'll go even more conservative instead of coming more to the middle? Yes, yes, I do. I think uh, uh, because there is one school of thought, if you look at it well, the Republicans lost because... Uh, they got away from their base, and that's easy to say, and that's a cliched. But yeah, you got a lot of moderates out there, and and oh, the Democrats did it. Uh, one big with uh, moderates and liberals, so maybe we should get that way. I think it's just the opposite. So um, the electorate would be more 
I think um, they're looking for more of somebody uh, who has is taking the stand and will not change their you know their plans because of either polls or whatever they didn't blow in the wind and somebody like a Tony Blair I think was uh, somebody that that the American public would would like to see somebody who stands by their convictions and and knows why they feel the way that they do and and their contradictions are few and far between so somebody like Reagan Vern, it's time to play Ask Bill 3. This is where I'm going to turn the microphone over to you, and you can ask me three questions about anything. So fire away. Okay. I, You know, listening to your podcasts over the year, uh, you talk to a lot of people overseas and a lot of people here in the country. What have you learned during the past year doing your podcasts? About people or about society or about countries or what? Anything. What stands out in your mind is like, oh, okay, you know, you you did mention that uh, you did interview a lot of people overseas. Okay, got their perspective, and then uh, people here in this country got their perspective. What did you learn? What I think I learned from the people that I talked to during the show was that some of them have. Opinions just like me. And a lot of them have opinions that are so way out there. Um, For example, Mm -hmm. we've had a couple of people that have thought about the conspiracies. And I really don't think they've completely thought it out. And they're just surrounded. This is my perception. They're just surrounded about like-minded people who just kind of feed this. But once they're challenged on a couple of questions, then it all basically falls apart mm-hmm. and uh, one one example of that as well is the people we had on from the common sense political party nice people mm-hmm. but once you got past the slogans it was like okay can you explain this and 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 maybe it was just because of inexperience or that they weren't ready for it but you could tell in the interview that it just they hadn't thought it out, you know, past the slogans. Mm-hmm. And so if I can throw out another thing that I've learned is that sometimes people just have this opinion but really haven't thought it out. Yeah. What uh, goes on to my next question, would that, would you say that was your worst interview of the year, the Common Sense Political Party, or something totally else, totally different? I don't think that was the worst interview because I think if you listen to it, it, it's interesting to dissect how people think and how they perceive how the government is run and how um, they think that they might be able to get the highest office in the land. And I think that is incredibly interesting that that somebody thinks that it is it is that simple that hey we just you know we're we're running we've got a few ideas. And that's it. And it is mm-hmm. absolutely, a, you know, one of the most complicated things to pull off. Yeah. Were you surprised how they didn't seem to think of that before? That always surprises me. 
But then again, had they completely thought it out and had known about it, I don't think they would have chosen to run for president. Mm-hmm. So I think the people that really think it out are are the ones that say, I have a chance to win or I don't have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. And those people that don't have a chance to win and decide to run anyways are just fooling themselves. Yeah. And that that is apparent in both that interview and also with the armchair president. So I don't see that as being the worst interview. I have a couple that I did this past year that are what I would call kind of fluff interviews. And apart from... First of all, very nice people, and we tried to get on some some subjects, and I'm not going to mention what show, but with those, there really wasn't a lot of compelling content in mm-hmm. there, and um, but it was a show. And, and, you were. And sometimes you have those, and then sometimes you have the ones where you just can't wait to get out. Yeah, so you're basically putting a demo tape together for your 60 Minutes interview <laughs> that's right <laughs> what was your best interview oh i like the ones that i had with um imran okay um just because of the fact that um we kind of went into that with the kind of no holds barred and uh, he was gracious enough to kind of give it back and give and take um, I also enjoyed the the armchair president talking with with Patrick. I also enjoyed the common sense party uh, mm-hmm. people as well, and, and and to a degree, I liked Eddie from Ireland because of the fact that he really believed what he was talking about, and even though it was way out there, yeah, um, you know, it it was still compelling enough to want to keep your interest, even if. You were like me, banging my head on the desk by about the uh, 40th minute. Yeah, he 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 stood by. He stood on his principles and didn't change him. You know, so yeah. What I, uh, I can see, I can see that. Of the ones that you listen to, what one stands out in your mind? Yeah, uh, I would I would say um, the one that stands out in my mind is the Common Sense Political Party interview and the armchair. Uh, president, just because of he, you start digging into it and asking them why, you know, just you know, not allowing them to just throw out bumper sticker phrases, but asking them why uh, and go beyond that. And I think the media needs to do more of that. You know, oh yeah, Barack Obama. He's uh, vote for Barack, you know, whatever. Nice phrase, get beyond that. So the media needs to get beyond that and and ask them, well, why do you think that way? And those are the interviews that stand out in my mind. Vern, do you want to talk about your blog? Yeah, um, com, and I'm kind of putting the blog on hiatus to concentrate on other things during 2007. Uh, I may revive it in, in some form. I don't know what form it's going to take now, but uh, either way, the, the news will I'll still have my website, vernbeachy.com, and, and that's where you'll find new uh, ventures, I guess, when I decide what exactly I'm going to do in 2007. 
Vern, thank you so much for being our guest once again on You Are the Guest. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Remember that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcasts. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.